The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. Thanks again for joining us as we continue in our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Apologize, it's been a few days since our last episode was posted, uh, but we're jumping back in now. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Last time, we we entitled the lesson that we put together, What Went Wrong? And we talked about what possibly could have been some of the battles that went through with the fact that Eli's children, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, were honestly evil sons, yet having grown up in what would have been considered a great scenario and what could come with that. What we're going to look at now, though, so we, we look at where they came from. We've seen Samuel. We get a little bit of the history of Eli's house. We get to see the evil nature of his sons. The Bible says it did not know God. And so now what we're looking at is finally after really years of grace, and I want you to catch this. What we're going to see a bit in here is the holiness of God. And a lot of people, when they, when they go to Old Testament and they read passages like this, one of the things they almost automatically do is they begin to panic and they say, you talk about the idea that the entire Old Testament's like this. The entire Old Testament is just God's vicious anger. In fact, you hear people joke about the idea they're really angry with somebody, they're going to go Old Testament on them. All right, that, that's not the premise here. Because here's what you have to see. Um, the Bible teaches us clearly, which is the principle still true in the Old Testament, that to whom much is given, of much is required. As a pastor, there is a higher expectation on me than there is others uh, in the Word of God in certain things. The Bible gives a description of it, elders and deacons, similar situation. There are biblical descriptions of what is expected. I would say the same thing of a politician, same thing of a police officer. Please understand, I think the expectation of the pastors are higher than those two offices. I don't want to blend the position of pastor in with the politician. Uh, that's just, that's a whole bad, but you understand the premise. Uh, there are different offices carry with it, different responsibilities. So the priest was the same way. The priest had a huge responsibility and a great honor and a great blessing. And while Eli himself had been okay, his sons had not. We're going to see a little bit in God's point. Now, so what happens is now God sends this other prophet to prophesy against Eli. And we're going to see what happens. Now, here's the thing you have to see. What we're going to see here, could have God could have done years, decades earlier. God could have realized and would have known as he was rearing his kids. He was not doing it right. He was not doing it biblically. This would result in this. For years, Hophni and Phinehas had been doing this. God could have struck them down. The reason it took so long is before you see God's holiness enacted, as we'll see here in a moment, you see God's grace. And let me encourage you, sometimes we look at somebody and say, why hasn't God done this? Why hasn't God done that? Because God is a God of grace. I'm glad he is. I know you glad, you're glad he is. That's something we really need to hold on to. God is a God of holiness, but God is a God of grace. And that is seen all the way out throughout the Old Testament. Because what happens is, same thing we said with Jonah, what happens is, is we look at what God did and we don't see the reason behind this. And I hope you catch this. Uh, well, give me an example. When you see men in the position I'm in, in position of pastoral authority and leadership and influence that abuse it, uh, and they abuse people, steal money, things of that nature, they deserve the highest of punishment, in my opinion. They really do. They deserve to be moved from their position. Anybody who knows what's going on and covers it and doesn't um, report it, doesn't deal with it, they deserve to lose their position uh, because what we do is way too important. So if you understand that what we see here, this would be something that, you know, when you have this position, you have to realize if you are willing, willfully and choosing to ignore God, 
Um, these kind of things should come. Uh, and we hope the same thing of the priests in the Old Testament. So let's go ahead and evaluate this passage beginning verse 27, 1 Samuel 2, verse 27. Then a man of God, and we don't know who he was, came to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I not clearly reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I not choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense and to wear an ephod before me? Did I not give to the house of your father all the offerings of the children of Israel made by fire? So we see a bit of the history of the fact that Eli's family was chosen for this way before. This is an inheritance. This is what he got um, passed down from his father, and he got to choose. And there was a lot of it. He talked about the honor of being the priest, and it was a huge position in those days, positions of honor, authority. We see that they were receiving all of what it was burnt. They got to receive all of that food. So they were wealthy. They were at least taken care of. They were not poor and uh, failed to have anything. God took care of his people. And he said, I've given you so much Honor. Then he says in verse 29, Why do you kick at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my dwelling place, and honor your sons more than me, to make yourself fat with the best of all the offerings of the Israel, of Israel, my people? So he starts off and says, I've given you so much. Why would you take advantage of it? Why would you abuse it? And his abuse was, you honor your sons more than me. See, as a father, he had to make a decision. What his sons were doing is wrong. Worst case, I mean, best case scenario, they should have just been moved from the priest. Should not been allowed to be in that position. So you know what? You've not earned it. You're wrong. Step out. You're not allowed to be a priest anymore. Um, best case scenario should have happened. But he refused to take that position. He refused to place truth above culture. He wanted to be his kids' friends. And we do that a lot in culture today. Culture tells us what to do. Wanting to be cool tells us what we want to do. We don't want to be that mean parent. Whatever term we use today, uh, it's wrong, but we do that. And we end up letting culture, our children, dictate truth. Now, there are times as adults that there are some things we can learn from our kids about the culture to understand them better. We should learn as much as we can about the generations that our kids are growing up in. How do we know the battles? How do we know the struggles? How do we know a little bit of their language, if you know what I'm saying? Because we want to be able to navigate, help them navigate it. And ignorance to what they're going through is dangerous. So I think we should know what they're going through. So we listen to them. We read. We read about the scenarios they're growing up in. You know, my kids are Gen Z. I try to learn as much about Gen Z as I can with the silly and the good, right? Just like my parents would have known as much about Gen X growing up. But we do that so that we can teach truth. We can speak truth into that, not so that it influences what, who, what, what is truth. And this is what he did. He ignored truth for on behalf, sake of his children. Then he says in verse 30, this is the prophet still talking, then the Lord, of, Lord God of Israel says, I indeed, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Don't you catch this? You see the promise. You had a, a lifelong position as a priest. Every one of your family would be there forever. He says, but I'm not doing that. They blew it. There was such an honor and grace to be given for the rest of their life, and Eli ruined that. And he said this, listen, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who don't, I will not. And that is a great principle that's still true today. When you choose to dishonor, ignore God's principles, ignore his teaching, don't be surprised when you sit back and wonder, where's God? When you follow God's principles and God's scripture, you can, be, you can expect God's blessing. But when you don't, you cannot. So 
then he goes on and says in verse 31 what's going to happen. Behold, the days are coming that I will cut off your arm and the arm of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Let me explain. He does not mean he's physically cut his arm off. He's going to cut off the generation out of the priesthood. Behold, um, verse 32, and you will see an enemy in my dwelling place, despite all the good which God does for Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. You catch this, not an old man in your house forever. He is simply stating that the, the generation following your children, your children's children, they will, the men will not get old. They will die young deaths. But any of your men who I do not cut off from my altar shall consume your eyes and grieve your heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die in the flower of their age, flower of the age, the prime of their youth, as we would call it. They will become adults. They will get to a certain age, whether they're prime. They will not live old. Uh, this is a punishment because of Eli's um, decisions. Now this shall be, verse 34, this shall be a sign to you that will come upon your two sons on Hophni and Phinehas. When one day they shall die, both of them, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. And it shall come to pass that everyone who, who is left in your house will come down and bow and will come and bow down to him for a piece of silver and a morsel of the bread, and said, Please put me in one of the priestly positions that I may eat a piece of the bread. So he starts up and says, Your children, we'll learn this later, they both in battle will die the same day. Um, he goes, then other descendants will come and just say, give, you know, they'll be so hungry, give, put me in the priest position so I can just eat something. Basically what you're seeing, and you can go into a lot, and, and it all happens, by the way. We'll see a lot of it begin to happen as we push our way through the book of 1 Samuel. But what you're seeing is that God says, I have given you grace. I have been long-suffering. I could have dealt with this a long time ago. I've chosen to deal with this right now. And you say, but man, it seems harsh. Well, here's the thing we have to understand. Yes, I want you to consider something. Hell is a very harsh punishment. But then God sent his son to the cross to offer us a way out of hell. When we say, I think sometimes we get this idea, oh man, it seems harsh, but we forget what we've done, how evil it is. We sometimes like to downgrade our actions as not that big of a deal and say, man, God seems harsh. No, sin is horrible. Sin is evil. And what this priest did is despicable with everything that he was given to ignore it and to continue to ignore it. I guarantee you this is not the first time he'd gotten a warning from God. And God continued to allow him to do this, and finally God was done. Samuel was there. His plan was unfolding. He was done, and he'd given this future plan. And we'll see. Actually, he ends up telling Samuel what's going to happen. Who's got to tell Eli? In this scenario, you see that God will not look on sin. Let me tell you anything about this. We know that God hates sin, will not look on sin. This is why he had to turn his, face, turn his back on Jesus on the cross. But I want you to grab something unique about the grace of God as we finish. If you come and repent and just confess your sin, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what we're seeing there? Even if I'm living in a horrible sin, all I need to do is turn and repent. If Eli had just repented, if Eli had just repented and moved his sons and done right, he would have not had these punishments. It was his refusal to live in obedience to God that brought this.
And that's the thing we have to look at. God's long suffering is always there. But if we refuse to listen to it, that's when God finally says, I'm done. And that's when, pun that's when chastisement will come. I don't like the word past punishment. He disciplines us, he chastises punishments are different. Uh, but he, in this situation, that was how it worked. And again, it was different. There was no full Bible. He was speaking to Eli as the priest. Eli had everything you could want in that position and yet turned it down. And we've been given as much, a lot of that today. We have the full Bible. We have so much access to preaching and teaching in today's day. May we not ignore all that God has given to us. Well, again, thanks for joining us again today. Again, apologies for the long pause between episodes. Pick back up and we'll try to stick with it for the next few weeks. Thanks again for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again next time.